0: This week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss, well, well, well. Group IB uncovers a BEC phishing empire targeting Microsoft 365. Next up, Riders on the Storm 0558. Microsoft completed their investigation into China-based threat actor Storm 0558 and shares their findings. And we'll end with our fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 166, recorded on September 11th, 2023. I'm your co host, Callie. Get your kicks on episode 166, Fencil. And with me is co host, Taylor. I'm the Rube and the Rube Goldberg Machine Wilkes Pierce. And last but not least, Tim. Well, I never helming.
1: Indeed. Welcome Hello, everybody. Anybody here ever actually been on Route 66? No. I liked that reference.
0: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never been on it though, unfortunately. Have I you? Either. No, No? I
1: I like long road trips and I I want to explore the Southwest more. So it seems like a natural thing to do, but I have not done that as yet.
0: Oh, that sounds like something that, yeah, like for sure would be up your alley. So if you do that, let us know.
1: I drove across the country a bunch of times back in the day and I might have been on little chunks of the Chicago end of it at some point or another, but... Definitely they don't talk about that actual. end as much.
2: No, I mean it does. You
1: know, in the song, they they do acknowledge from Chicago to L.A., but uh, but they don't talk that much about that end. It's like the then you can you get end to Milwaukee? <laughs>
0: taylor what can you explain your fun name a little bit more
2: uh, i just the whole uh when we get to my story okay maybe it'll make a little more sense but okay. yeah it, it just reminded me of a rube goldberg machine a comedy okay. of errors if you will
0: i see okay i was just like um did you watch the did you watch peewee's big adventure recently
2: <laughs> unfortunately no the
0: breakfast machine there's a theater nearby here when i say nearby it's like 40 minutes away so it's it's midwestern nearby. For our um, European
2: listeners, that's about three countries away. That's right. <laughs> and
0: it, but it's showing uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I'm just like, I should go over there and, and watch that.
1: Wait. I haven't seen that since it was in the theater.
0: Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. <gasps> wow, you. I own it on DVD. <laughs> oh, I'm
1: pretty one sure I wore the tape on the Own anything these days? That's media.
0: Yeah, for sure. Wait, I'm sorry, Tate, what'd you say?
2: I said I wore the tape out on that as a kid. The VHS. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs>
0: um I also wanted to say, um, we've we do gold guidance and grievances. Um, if you're if you're a listener of this show, I am definitely gonna reorder that a little bit so that we end on a happier note <laughs> than we have been ending on.
1: I think we should officially rename the game Gold Guidance and Grievances, not in that order. <laughs> like, like that's the actual name
0: <laughs> it, I like because I like saying it that way
1: mm-hmm. but we sound so much better
0: but we should not and because it's very hard to come back from the grievance sometimes right <laughs> it's like eh, okay we're gonna send you on your way <laughs>
1: <laughs> on that unhappy note
0: uh yeah we should you guys want to talk about some uh some articles. Oh yeah, yeah. So first up, we're going to talk about well, well, well. Which, first of all, Tim, you are a replacements fan, right?
1: I am kind of. Yeah, a replacements yeah.
0: Are fan. you familiar with this the song "Hold My Life"?
1: I'm trying to remember if that was actually in our motoring playlist recently. I don't think it was, but
0: yeah, like the like the big like thing in that song is like well, well, well. I am mm-hmm. <laughs> going to try to use lice cap which Taylor covered in a previous episode to make a gif using that song. Oh,
1: that's, that's a good idea.
0: That's my homework for myself.
1: You mean related to this story we're about yeah, to talk about. Yeah, we yeah. Go,
0: but well is spelled, you know, w number 3 l l um, which is and, you, know, oh, you know,
1: as a side note here, uh, this isn't the first time that we talk about something on this podcast that also happens to be a ham radio call sign. So somebody out there has the call sign W3LL. I wonder if they know about all this. I wonder if they have something to do with all this.
0: Ooh, the plot thickens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so Group IB published a new threat report on the hidden phishing ecosystem driving uh, BEC attacks. So... Tim, first and foremost, um, the title of their report is Well Done, which, of course, we must tip our hats to. Uh, well done, Group IB for your puns. Um, and uh, the group, well, uh, again, W3LL, has been largely unknown up until now. So so what do we know from about this group based on the report?
1: Well, 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 what do we know? <laughs> uh You know, this was when this article caught my eye. I immediately nominated it for Breaking Badness this week. And I would say that this discovery meets, for me, a pretty high bar of uh, some kind of relevance index that's like that weighs the lateness of the discovery relative to how long the thing's been going on against the magnitude of the thing. So, you know, it would be lower on this index if you found some small operation that went way back in time, or some really big operation that just started up. But big and old uh, makes this pretty interesting to me. Um, you know, I'm sure that bits and pieces of it have been noticed over time, and the dots just weren't connected in the way that they were from uh, Group IP Group IB in this report. Um, And that's a bit of a complicated story of its own, but uh, Group IB itself. uh, But that's a different episode anyway. (laughs) Or a couple. uh, Yeah, probably. Um, So the report describes this as a phishing empire, uh, which has played a major role in compromising Microsoft 365 business email accounts since 2017, which in our world is a pretty long time. Uh, So it's a really extensive operation. It's got an underground market uh, with a very mature, well-built fish kit and a whole bunch of other tools that do some uh, sophisticated things, multi-factor bypass and and other things. So as we go through it here, you'll see that this thing is uh, a pretty significant enterprise.
0: Yeah, and it was noted um, that well like, you know, in terms of that empire, you know, of, of everything that they that you had just mentioned that they include as part of their operation. Part of that is customer support to cyber criminals who don't have the skills to leverage, you know, said tools. And I'm I'm curious about, you know, what that entails. So can you tell us a little more about that?
1: Yeah, happy to. So one of the hallmarks of the underground cyber crime economy over I'll say at least the last 10 years, but really I think it's been quite a bit longer than this, is that this underground economy very much mirrors the above board economy in a lot of ways. And I'm putting an asterisk on that because I'm getting pretty skeptical about the so-called above board economy too, but that's also another episode or maybe a whole other podcast. Yeah, I think a couple. (laughs) Paging Cory Doctorow. but anyway, customer support is one of those ways that it mirrors what we see in our daily lives. So uh, and I liken it to, remember how there was a realization it was probably came with a book or something, and this is this goes back a couple decades, but how some of the most fundamental things that a young person needs in terms of friendship and purpose and a sense of belonging and achievement and all of that, well are those are all provided in one way or another by gangs for a lot of kids and that this was under, important you know to understanding how gangs worked it's kind of the same idea like if here if you've got cloudy prospects in the world. And on the one side, uh, the above board side, there's a lot of rules and structures that can get in your way. And on the other side, there's maybe a welcoming community with a relatively low bar to entry. Well, that gets a lot of people started down the path of cybercrime. And part of how the path to uh, ill-gotten gains is paved is with structures that make it easy for the participants to succeed. And in these kind of models, the more the lower level participants succeed, the more the operators do too. So this Well Outfit has a, uh, has a, a mature technical support organization. They've got a ticketing system. They've got web chat. Hello, criminal. Can we help you with something here? Uh, they've got tutorial videos. They've got a referral bonus system. They have
2: frustrated middle managers. They,
1: uh, <laughs> you know that's actually true. Uh, and they even have a reseller program. Uh, you know, we hear about these affiliate programs kind of all the time. Um, but m- having it put as a reseller program might be the first instance of this that I've particularly seen uh, with this these underground economy things. So it's a big operation and it's very mature.
0: Do they get to wear jeans on Friday?
1: That's a really good question. And when do they wear hoodies? Like, do they wear hoodies all the time? But Jeans on Friday? I, you know, it's a great <laughs> I, question.
0: I got a lot of questions about it. Like I love lo- so I, many questions. I have so yeah. many questions. I love the sociological part of this, about you know, what you had said about you know, forming these sorts of groups, you know, based on community. And um yeah, that's just fascinating to me. We could probably do a whole episode on that. Uh,
1: so we've we got could... about four episodes lined up so far.
0: This, this week. <laughs> On Breaking Badness, all the episodes we will do.
1: <laughs> I think we should just
2: teach them all about OKRs and they'll give up.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's the secret weapon. It's going to run them right into the ground. That's a good idea. Well, we'll have to find out when they have one of their productivity conferences and go keynote it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So um, as as part of this... Um, you know this um, program that they have. So there's currently more than 500 active sub- which I guess subscribers or users um, of the Well Store. Um, so how how do you even become a member of the Well Store?
1: Not that we want to make it easy for people to go out and do that, but listeners true, of Breaking true. Badness certainly wouldn't do that anyway. No, so um,
0: I would hope so.
1: Yeah, so they have taken some measures here uh, to both vet their customers and to help keep things quiet, which explains why it's taken quite a while for this to be uncovered. So any prospective customers have to be referred by existing members and those new users. By the way, it's not clear to me, I can't tell from the report whether there's some layer of additional vetting that happens after somebody gets referred to it. But anyway, once they're accepted as a new member, they've got three days to make a deposit to their account balance, or else their account gets deactivated. Um, and they don't advertise the well store in any public, even underground public way. And they further ask their customers not to talk about it online. So, you know, as Group IB puts it, the first rule of Well Club is well, I'll let you fill in the rest. Yeah.
0: That, another part of that report, there, this report, well, you know, the the blog post leading into the report filled with puns that I'm a big fan of. I will say too, one of the things that's like fat, I guess it's another sociological aspect of cybercrime is just these people are very good at keeping secrets. Um,
1: Sometimes, sometimes until the, uh, until the infighting blows it open.
0: (laughs) You can only can only keep a secret for so long. Um, so Wells' product, uh, which is called Well Panel, is something that Group IB identifies um, as one of, and this is their words, one of the most advanced fishing kits in class featuring adversary in the middle, which is an, a concept that we talked about on a, on a recent episode of the podcast. But what else about it makes it so advanced?
1: Well, yeah, I would say that, um, yeah, Well Panel is just one of these Products that they have. This whole system is really comprehensive. It's really well designed, and so they have a sequence of tools, which many of which have sort of their own cute branding um, for every stage of the operation, end to end. And if you go to the report that we will link in the show notes, you'll see that they, uh, they uh, Group IB, made a great flowchart that explains it all really well. So it's worth taking a look at that. But uh, after compromising a target. The uh, fishers then proceed into the account discovery phase, um, and then they've got some options. Like, uh, do you want to do some data theft? Do you want to do a fake invoice scam? Do you want to impersonate the account owner? Or do you want to do some further malware distribution? Choose your own adventure. Um, all of that using the compromised email account. Um, and you know, they one of the things that caught my eye in noticing this article originally. Was their ability to bypass multi-factor. Now they are. This is not the only set of tooling that allows multi-factor bypass. There are a lot of those out there, but it's a it's a sign of kind of the sophistication that they've got here. And of course, you know, we're all rightly preaching the importance of multi-factor auth as one of the real cornerstones of best practices in security. And yet, of course, we have to hasten to add that uh, just having multi-factor enabled by itself doesn't guarantee that you can't get owned or pwned. Yeah. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I spelled that with the p
0: actually. Oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we know about the victimology of, of those, you know, being attacked by, by well.
1: Yeah. So according to the report, Uh, They've targeted at least 56,000 corporate Microsoft 365 business accounts and uh, they say that more than 8,000 of them were ultimately compromised and as you would expect, I'm sure the actual number of victims is probably significantly higher than that. That's just what we know about right now. Uh, They don't seem to specify any particular demographics so far, most of the targets are uh, the big countries in the western world you know the us australia uk uh, countries in western europe like germany france italy switzerland the netherlands um, they are seeming to target some particular verticals uh, manufacturing i.t financial services consulting healthcare, and legal services what that sounds like what you know a lot of big enterprises target anyway that's where a lot of the money is uh, go figure so uh, so there's not unlike some of the groups that we talk about that are have some political aim and are specifically targeting, you know, a country or a type of uh, of workers, something like that. This seems to be pretty well-rounded. I guess Shoo, you could say you beat me uh, to it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> couldn't couldn't resist.
0: I'm over here sitting on it. I'm like, oh, man, what he's done with this sentence. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's okay it was a it was a good pun it was a great pun <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so so group iv had shared the indicators of compromise and Yara Yara rules for hunting and detecting well panel fishing pages but is there anything else that you know listeners should should know about you know regarding mitigation
1: well i have to say that uh they did a great job i mean i i have no complaints about this report, but one of the things that makes this difficult is there aren't any silver bullets in the recommendations that they have. It's a lot of the general blocking and tackling that you want to do. The indicators that they list, um, blocking those indicators probably is not going to go all that far toward protecting you. And, and some of those indicators, frankly, are just back-end stuff that Well is using. So unless you have somebody inside your organization that is actually one of these criminals that's using this these kits, um, blocking that stuff probably isn't going to do a ton to protect you. Uh, as you mentioned, there are some Yara rules for Discovering some of the phishing pages and admin panels and so forth, but if you look at one of the other things that's in their report about this is the set of TTPs um, within the MITRE ATT&CK framework that they uh, that this campaign encompasses, and it's a lot. So the recommendations that they uh, recommend they do say you know for your for your auth implement FIDO V2. Um, that will tend to, uh, harden it a bit against the way that, uh, these kits are stealing one-time passwords or session cookies, um, lock down your access policies, stay vigilant. Uh, they, they do claim. So group IB is not groupib.org, Um, and they do have, you know, their own uh, business email protection service, um, and a digital risk protection service. So, you know, they, they claim that their services are, uh, helpful against this and they very well might be. Um, but there is no one silver bullet. So you got to do all the things that you're already doing, um, <laughs> just a little bit better, unfortunately. Um, Do and, what you're
0: doing just better. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that simple? And not
1: frustrating advice at all, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, uh, but for now, and, you know, now that this has been blown open, I do expect that we'll see better um, and additional uh, hunting targets and so forth. So we're going to get better at detecting this um, and ultimately probably preventing it. But um, it's a it's not an easy one right now
0: for sure for sure so yeah I think that leads perfectly into the hoodie rating for for this you know talking about how we will eventually get better at de- detecting this um, so if you are a newer listener and you're not familiar with the hoodie rating um, at the end of uh, each article we discuss we like to give it a hoodie rating. Uh from one to ten, um, ten being the worst. And uh and, and when we say hoodie, just to backtrack a little bit, it's the stereotypical hacker in a hoodie image that you might see on some stock photography. So 10, 10 is, you know, very awful uh attack, very something that we definitely want to avoid if we can. And then one is not so bad. Um one is kind of, you know, why do why did we bring this one to the table?
1: A curiosity <laughs> item. <laughs> yeah example
0: exactly um one might be that Nickelodeon story that we talked about where it was more for more for ego i think than uh <laughs> than anything else more for yeah
1: e- i am pretty sure that we have in fact given hoodie ratings of one in the oh, past yeah. not yeah. often but not we've often
0: bought- yeah that that was more it was that story was about ego and about the fact that I just wanted to talk about Nickelodeon that week. <laughs> So, so uh, we'll start with you, Taylor. i um, having heard uh, this information from Tim. What, what would you say on the on the hoodie scale? This this might be.
2: You know, I think uh, there's not a whole lot here that's super new for us. I guess looking at the scale of the operations and a little more about the internal mechanics behind the operation are really interesting. So, from that perspective, it, it's there's a lot here to take in and kind of approach from the defender's mindset. Right. <laughs> but from a overall like risk, uh, this, this is a lot of social scamming and, and phishings. Like this is just kind of a background noise thing that we are constantly seeing. And, and this is, you know, the, the size of the operations here kind of make prove that point a little bit. Um, I'll go 3.67 hoodies.
0: All right. Yeah. And as always, what would the 6-7 be of a hoodie?
2: It's the top, <laughs> the top two-thirds of it. Oh, okay, right? okay. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a crop hoodie.
0: Oh, okay, very in style right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Perfect. Okay, Tim, do you feel similarly?
1: I will go a little bit higher uh, because it's evident that this thing is succeeding out there in the wild. So however sure. we feel about it, you know, it's... Um, it's garnered a lot of victims and I'm sure it, it, like we said, the 8,000 that are known about right now, uh, is, I don't think it's probably a tip of the iceberg thing, but it's less than what the total really is. And as I say, the detections right now are not guaranteed in any way. So it's going to keep rolling on for a while longer. So I would put this one at five hoodies and I'll tell you what, hasn't got me putting it higher right now uh, and this may just be that they didn't talk about it in the article and not that it isn't a factor here but you know using those large language models to craft mm. especially good social engineering I mean that like so many of these campaigns if the very first stage of social engineering fails then it doesn't matter how good the rest of it is if that Phishing email gets deleted before any action is taken on it. Um, you know you're you're probably okay. So, uh, but I would also assume that some of the more enterprising users of all of this do, in fact, go out to their favorite chat APT and uh, <laughs> and craft those convincing email messages. Maybe even with some nice add-ons like uh, deepfake. Um, uh, voicemails that they leave as well. Who knows? Uh, So I'm going (laughs) to stop giving them ideas. (laughs) I'm putting it right in the middle. Yeah. Here's here's Tim's recipe for really doing well. Uh, um, Yeah. I don't think I'm telling anybody something they don't already know or plan. I'm going to put it right in the middle. Five.
0: Perfect. Okay. That's fair. All right. This was, this was good. All right. Well thank you Tim for you uh for um covering this article. You are a well respected man for sure. So we'd like to hear your insights.
1: I see what you did there.
0: Oh good. Good. I'm just like, <laughs> oh there's there's too much silence. He doesn't see what I did. <laughs> I'm just so bummed you made it too well rounded before I did. I won't get over it.
1: I hope I haven't ruined your day.
0: No, it's fine. My day's fine. <laughs> But seriously, I I really enjoyed reading this blog post, and um, I I really think our um, listeners will as well. I hope they check it out. Um, so we yeah,
1: whatever complications there may be with Group IB, they do good research. There's yeah. no doubt about that.
0: Good research, and it's and it's very well written, as I've mentioned a couple of times. So yep. very enter on top of the information you get, it's entertaining to read. Um. So thank you, Tim. We will take a quick break. And when we return, we will talk about our second article with with Taylor. So please stay tuned.
1: Hey there, Breaking Badness listener. Tim from the team here wishing you a fine morning, afternoon, evening, or overnight. Whenever it is that you listen, we're glad that you do. And since we don't advertise the show with billboards or inflatable dancing tube men or matchbooks... Will you consider helping spread the word as a breaking badness agent in the world? We would be honored if you did. And along with that, if you're enjoying the show, will you take a minute or two, maybe even while the second half is playing, to give us a quick rating and even a review on your favorite podcast platform? Thanks in advance. And now let's get back to the episode.
0: Wacky, waving, inflatable arm flailing tube man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny to just put something like that in some completely random place? Like, not outside of RSA or Black Hat or whatever, but just some random time of the year, just on, like, some stretch of US 50. Yes. Do you think we could get
2: one of those for, like, RSA or Black Hat? We could have, like, a 30-foot-tall wacky... I think, we I think, we I think well. getting we the we flailing
1: tube guy uh, would not be... A terribly big challenge i don't think it's hard but you know the cities of san francisco or las vegas would probably charge i don't know like a hundred thousand dollars to set it up
0: yeah i think we could do it you know like one of the things that came out of like the 2016 election i'm like wow it is really easy for anybody to make a flag about anything It's like, true. That's
1: there's true. no gatekeepers there's there.
0: For that. <laughs> I was just like, I did not know. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Anywho, all right, we are we are back with more Breaking Badness. How was the break?
1: Oof. Refreshing.
0: Breakful? I got lonely. You got lonely?
2: Yeah, I'm glad Where, I'm back.
0: Where's your dog?
2: <laughs> She's sleeping outside.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I guess I'm abandoned too. My uh, my black cat uh, was sitting by me, and I think I was moving around too much, and now he's gone. So, well, here we are. <laughs> uh, so we will talk about our second article, which uh, actually is a follow up from another article. So, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting too excited. So, first of all, it is riders on the storm 0558. Um, so the technical analysis into the investigation of the Microsoft account consumer signing key has concluded. And as part of transparency, uh, Microsoft is sharing those findings. So Taylor, we actually talked about this on episode 162, uh, which was not that long ago, which not is exciting. Not that long ago. Yeah. If you could just
2: cast your memory back in time. A I knew years. I was
1: thinking about the doors recently. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we made lots of writers on the Storm puns. Uh, July 11th uh, is when Microsoft first published a blog post that detailed how a China-based threat actor, who they called Storm-0558, used an acquired Microsoft account consumer key to forge tokens to access OWA, Outlook Web Access, and Outlook.com. So, you know, back in July, they said, hey, this thing happened. Uh, here's kind of what happened and how we're mitigating it. Uh, but they didn't know all the details. And they said, hey, we will get back to you, um, which they underwent a pretty exhaustive investigation, it appears. And they came back to us with uh, kind of their explanation and kind of my uh, Rube Goldberg <laughs> Uh, name at the top of the episode today is the uh, kind of way that this consumer key made it out and then made it into this exploit chain is, um, you know, just, (laughs) uh, you know, not unbelievable because it happened, right? But, uh, you know, certainly uh, fairly convoluted. This starts back in 2021 when a consumer signing uh, system inside of Microsoft crashed April of 2021, way back then. Uh, And the key that was stolen. Here was a stowaway and a cache of data that somehow came out of the crash dumps uh, in, into kind of the developer land where they keep the crash dumps for uh, like testing and analysis. And so that crash dump it, it had a key in it. It should have gotten caught. It did not for whatever reason, uh, and it was subsequently moved into sub, sorry subsequently moved uh, from that production network into the debugging environment. And then at a later point in time, a Microsoft. Developers, uh, The developer was compromised, a Microsoft engineer. Their corporate account was uh, compromised, and that account had access to the debugging environment. The Storm 0558 group said, okay, cool, let's hoover up all this stuff, uh, looked through it for long enough to pull that key down, I guess, potentially maybe others. They don't really go into a whole lot of detail here. Uh, and then they were able to somehow use a consumer key to sign enterprise uh, requests. Requests to get into these mailboxes so apparently back in 2018 This is why uh, September of 2018, Microsoft introduced a common key metadata publishing endpoint, uh, and they kind of converged the consumer and the enterprise stuff together. Uh, Their API library did not check whether you were handing them a consumer or an enterprise key for some reason, and the threat actor here was able to pass that key along and then pull access into, uh, at the time, the State Department and other government entities that they were looking to get data out of. And so hence the kind of... (laughs) you know, decisions in 2018 and 2021. And then more recently, um, you know, al- allowed the threat actor to get access to this information.
1: September of 2018, a time at which the well group had already been in operation for around a year.
2: I'll point out. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we have all of this stuff happening at the same time, right? You have your financially motivated folks, you have your strategically motivated folks. I mean, it's, it's a, the whole story here. First off, hats off to the Microsoft team for being able to put all of these different threads together. Um, like it's, uh, you know, even they will tell you there's some limits to their visibility into this because of their log retention, which is a lesson to us all. Um, but, you know, they're very transparent in how this all went down.
0: Wow. I, I feel like this is just like a, you mentioned a Rube Goldberg, but I also was just imagining... That Charlie Day meme of him, like, with the map of yeah. <laughs> just, like, trying to make connections between things. And it's, uh-huh. like, just insane. I don't know if I'm explaining this well enough for people. I think everybody's, most people might be familiar with that meme. I see it enough. Have you ever done a Rube Goldberg yourself, Taylor?
2: Yeah, only in the game Mousetrap.
0: Oh, my gosh. I never got to play that game as a kid. Mm. I think... uh if I if I'm remembering correctly, my mom said the line had to be drawn somewhere. So <laughs> I never got to do that. But he um, was just he, at
2: school for me. But
0: we had to put It was an assignment. We had to do a Rube Goldberg for science one year.
2: What did your Rube Goldberg, Goldberg machine do?
0: It like it was a a system where every period had to connect to each other so like my class had to connect to the class after ours had to connect to the class after that and it's just like it didn't matter how you got there it's just like I think it had to do with a mar not marble like a marble needed to reach the end but like you had to figure out based on how the last period classes end how yours would start and then how it would feed into the next one sixth grade science man how many signing
2: how many microsoft signing keys were involved (laughs) apparently they're just floating around so you guys could have grabbed one and used it
0: i know but you know we're just busy being 12 and (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah taylor i will say you're super excited when you talk about stuff like this i'm like man he's not taking a breath um (laughs) go back let's go back to so you had talked about um They'd found a crash process or crash dump. So yeah. maybe, can we can we talk a little bit about what the what a crash dump is if if people are unfamiliar?
2: For sure. And and you know, Microsoft, there may be a lot of different versions of this, but in this particular system there was a, a system set up to help process these keys, uh, that system crashed. As a part of that crash, it, uh, you know, made a dump of kind of what was going on on the system at the time so that you can troubleshoot it later on. Uh, and so that crash dump was then ingested into a broader repository of dumps uh, where folks can go and look things up and, and you know, have uh, searchability on that on the back end. You know there are meant to be filters to prevent any proprietary information from coming through uh, in a in a crash dump of this sort. Uh, and in this case, that filtering just did not pick up the signing key that was involved in the crash dump.
0: Thanks, Taylor. Very helpful. So, so you had also mentioned uh, Microsoft introduced that uh, meta, <laughs> metadata key publishing endpoint uh, in 2018, September of 2018, which is you know also the year I the year and month I got married lots of stuff happening in september 20 was tom hanks there he was not he did not rsvp can you believe that that was pretty rude
1: it's kind of weird
0: <laughs> i know it's pretty unlike him um but yeah but um so can so taylor can you talk about the reasoning behind that yeah like,
2: you know so 2018 going back to 2018 that is you know more looking at Microsoft has tackled identity access management for longer than, you know, a, most of us have been in computing or technology. Uh, so, you know, they've gone through a lot of iterations of of this. And there's a lot of backwards compatibility uh, that Microsoft likes to maintain, decades worth in, in some cases for uh, for their customers. And so, you know, at, at some point in time, I guess they were trying to you know, so solve a problem of, of identity access management and, you know, decided to accept both of these keys for a period of time, both of these types of keys um, for whatever reason. And the, this threat actor was able to identify that and, and leverage the key against it.
0: Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, um, so what improvements is Microsoft making in the wake of, of these findings? Sorry.
1: <laughs> and there was the entire list of the improvements that Microsoft yeah. is making.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. So, um, you know, they identify. So I'm looking at the post-incident review because they, they've done a, a pretty good job. And I'll use their words. So they identified and resolved a race condition that allowed the signing key to be present in the crash dump. So they've improved their ability to identify that. Enhance prevention, detection, and response for key material erroneously included in the crash dumps. Uh, they enhanced their credential scanning to better detect the presence of signing key in the debugging environment and then release enhanced libraries to automate key scope validation in authentication libraries and clarify, clarify the related documentation. So uh, they've kind of patched this, but there's a lot of kind of unanswered questions around it, <laughs> you know, um, after that. But it does look like they have identified the scope of of this particular key <laughs> and uh, found a way to kind of plug this hole for now.
0: For now. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. Well, excellent. So um, would you say this is more of a goodie rating or would you? Yeah, I don't know
2: that this one really fits on because it is more of a follow up to our original story. I mean, it's a goodie. Yeah. I think as far as a report goes, it's a it's a, you know, nine out of 10 goodie report, right? As far as like how transparent and how in, in depth into the weeds they've gone here to because I think there were a lot of, you know, justifiably asked questions in the wake of their first reporting, um, you know, it's like, hey, so magic keys got out and, and people's, you know, email inboxes were laid bare as a result of that. And you don't have a great uh, kind of reasoning for why or the scope for it. Uh, I think there's still some unanswered questions here, uh, you know, but this is a great start to, towards transparency on this.
0: Excellent. So, and I mean, it, we it could still be hoodies. I mean, I think I think it was Ian uh, on an episode who said a hoodie can be good sometimes. It's warm, <laughs> it's, uh, especially on a crisp fall day. I don't know.
2: Mm. Ian's right as usual. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. uh, but I think it's a great report, uh, you know, get some answers to some questions and leaves a few more.
0: Do you want to keep it? As as we uh, as we conclude, do you want to keep it on a goodie scale for reporting? purposes? Yeah. 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 we can do that. I so think it's goody I mean, that
2: we that we have this right. You know, yeah. there's a world where this these questions do not get answered and we just kind of <laughs> sit around wondering.
0: Yeah, for sure. So also for our listeners, uh, the, if you're a newer listener, the goodie scale is um, obviously the opposite of, of, a, of a bad hoodie scale. So um, talk about something good that happened. In terms of you know delicious warm cookies and it can be whatever cookie you want. Uh, uh, for me, <laughs> it's gonna be it's got to be classic chocolate chip. Uh-huh. So so Taylor, you say for reporting purposes, nine goodies. You want to keep it there? Do you want to? <sighs> You want to do Let's your go dec- eight.
2: It would have been nicer if there was more logs and, okay. and a little more definition around these things. But, any
0: decimals?
2: <laughs> you know what? Let's give, just give them the cookies. I, I won't take any bites out of one.
0: Oh good, excellent. What about you, Tim? What are you thinking?
1: Well, if you if you have just enough dough left over to make one much smaller cookie than the rest of them, is that a fractional cookie or is mm-hmm. that still? a cookie, you know, because Ooh. that could factor into my, how I structure my goodie rating here. It, Mine are chocolate yeah. chip, chocolate chip goodies, but with a little bit of cinnamon in them, that that Mexican chocolate kind of effect. Uh, so with that description of the goodies that I'm giving out here, uh, I was actually in my head was the exact same number that Taylor had, which is boring I realized at first I thought oh we're gonna be a little different because he was at nine and I was at eight but then he landed on eight because he received the telekinetic wave from me <laughs> um, so uh, but yeah I, I think it was uh, it was really interesting to read about how this happened and um, and it there's a certain reassurance in that it, it takes a real unlikely cascading chain of independent failures to lead to this security gap, um, that in, in an odd way that kind of reinforces actually how well Microsoft is handling, um, security these days. So, uh, yeah. So put me down for eight very delicious chocolate chip goodies with a little touch of cinnamon in them.
0: Perfect. I love it. That sounds good. Well, thank you, Taylor, for giving us that update. It's it's kind of fun when we can, you know, kind of circle back to, you know, stories that we've talked about even very recently on the podcast. So thank you for for sharing this with us.
2: Hey, again, thanks for Microsoft for, for paying off the promise of the premise, sure. <laughs> telling us exactly what went on.
0: Thank you, Microsoft. So um, why don't we... Um, finish off our episode with some gold guidance and grievances how about that
1: gold guidance and grievances not in that order that's the official name of it
0: yeah i i like how about grievances guidance and gold which does not roll off the tongue nearly as well
1: well that that's what i'm saying like yeah 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 yeah. yeah. no Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i'm saying we'll let we'll we'll uno reverse it Mm -hmm. and switch it around uh so we Let's let's end on the good notes, so I don't have to be like, "Well, see you la- see you later." Can't come back from this now. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, do you want do you want to kick things off with your your grievances?
1: Yes, I will do that. So, um, my grievance this week has to do with all the attacks that the Internet Archive is fending off in court, and in general, this incredibly greedy copyright trolling that we're seeing right now. And I I do consider it trolling. The uh, story a couple weeks ago about how one of the big media companies, I forget who, and I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of naming them anyway, was um, suing to prevent the public domain availability of uh, hundreds of 78 RPM uh, records recordings, the digitized versions of those. like really, we can't have 78s. Uh, it's just it's unmitigated greed and I find it very hard to uh, to defend. So and the Internet Archive is a really valuable resource for a whole lot of people, including security folks. So um, I, it's disheartening to see it under such attack and to have its future be in some question. That's my grievance. My guidance, please avoid any AI generated mushroom foraging books. There was a story that was out um, in the last few days that apparently on uh, Amazon, one can find guides to uh, mushroom foraging that seem to have been AI generated. Given what we know about how these large language models can sound really convincing and authoritative without actually being correct. don't bet your life on these uh, guides for your mushroom foraging. Trust a that's, mycologist that you know. It's a really subtle Skynet move. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? Uh, it's, you're gonna. It's like a early screening technique for Skynet. Um, <laughs> gold. It's it's minor, but I thought it was really kind of fun. Uh, there was a story on Slashdot about how a hobbyist. Built an HDMI interfaced graphics card for a vintage PC uh, by improving a little-known um, uh, application called Graphics Gremlin, and so you can see this post and see the uh, at the end um, a full color screen uh, on a device that never was designed to have such. Now it's not you know running Blade Runner 2049 off their favorite favorite streaming service that vintage computer doesn't have nearly the horsepower to do anything like what we typically do with modern computers, but it's kind of fun hobbyist tinkering and I've always had a soft spot for vintage tech. So, uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Check it out. It's kind of fun.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So far this is, yeah, this is better where we end on the fun one. Uh, thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate it. Um, what about you, Taylor? Why don't we start it let's off see. with your my grievances? Davis. Yeah. Uh,
2: I grieve for all the iMessage security developers weekends. After oh. The, since I've been rebooting my iPhone and getting updates a few times here lately. <laughs> um, feel bad for those folks, but glad that they're patching stuff. That's great. Um, let's see. Gold, uh the justice.gov it's the multiple foreign nationals charged in connection with trip Trickbot Malware and conti Ransomware. So that's great to see Department of Justice uh imposing costs oh, uh, yeah. on a Do Wells. Yep. Uh and then guidance, you know, it's just an interesting story from uh the maintainer of curl. Um, Daniel Stenberg uh, on kind of a recent publication from an anonymous person of, a, of some CVEs that had kind of uh, I, I learned a lot about CVEs and the reporting system and uh, I found it to be pretty interesting someone okay. took an old, old bug posted it as like a brand new CVE and then kind of burned a weekend <laughs> for folks on the CURL team, it seems like uh, but it was interesting I'll, I'll post some links to that
0: Perfect, awesome, yeah this let's always do it this way where we don't end on up the upsetting stuff so yeah, but yeah, thank you both so much for you know again for being here today um yeah, by the time this airs um Tim will be at mys next week um that's that's something fun to plug uh we're also gonna be at Falcon in a couple weeks uh, Taylor, are you going to Falcon? no. No. Okay. Somebody on your team will probably. They be will there. be there. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, you can meet with that person. If... <laughs>
2: <Is laughs> it's better you? meet with them. They're they're super smart. Is it Stephen? Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I love Stephen. Yeah. We should have Stephen here.
1: I think he. Oh, he would me. be a fun guest. Fun yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Okay. That'll be fun. Okay. And then yeah, and I hope everybody's been enjoying our guest episodes. Uh We had. I have. Um, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, we had Peter Lowe last week. That was fun. And um, we're gonna have a, another guest in an, another couple of weeks. I don't know exactly when that'll air, but that's coming, um, which is very exciting. So I hope folks are enjoying those. Um, but yeah, again, thank you to both of you, you know, for coming today to talk about, you know, your stories. Thank you to our listeners, um, and we uh, we hope you come back again next week for some more Breaking Badness. Take care, y'all. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at domaintools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.